It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Zealand Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine in Isle, SW Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Brian Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. What a difference a week makes weather-wise. Much warmer temps. We'll see if that triggers the fish a little bit. We'll talk some bass fishing with Mandy Yurk. Wayne Harding will drop by. He's our resident expert on the Mississippi River. Plus, another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Ores and Mine in Crosby. Proud to offer Flow Dock Systems, the most durable in the industry. They offer new dock and lift installation so that you can get out on the water sooner. Ores and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. Back with us is Mandy Yurick, who is... Uh, in the studio with a big smile on her face because uh, this is Mandy's time of the year. It's Christmas time, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> this is my happy time. <laughs> so bass opener last weekend um, and you know, kind of snuck up on me. I wanted to have you on last week to talk, but uh, you and I were talking off air. And this is maybe the better weekend to have you on because last week, I mean, we had so many cold water temps is what we've been dealing with since opener. You said now that these water temps are starting to jump up quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. I was on the water on, on Monday, let's just say, on Gull, actually, on Main Lake Gull. And from Monday to Tuesday, Main Lake Gull had jumped almost four degrees, which is wow. absolutely amazing. We're getting to be where those water temps need to be or should be, um, specifically for bass fishing, for to push those bass into that pre-spawn spawn, spawn uh those places where they need to be, uh, which is great. But, yeah, we had nothing but cold water temps. We've had rain. We've had wind. We've had overcast. And the temps were just sitting there and not really climbing the last 10 days or, or week. They're still in that, you know, low 50s, mid 50s, where all of a sudden we're making jumps up to 60 on a lot of our lakes. So it's go time. Yeah, because you said on the locks you were last weekend – uh, it, you, it was a struggle for you. No, absolutely. And, you know, we look back and the, the holiday weekend overall was kind of cruddy weather, right? Well, then Sunday pops and we've got this beautiful, sunny bluebird sky, which everybody rushes out to the lakes to fish and specifically on Malax. So great. It's, it's a nice day to be on the water, but let's talk about the factors. So indicative with bluebird skies means it's a high pressure system. So right off the bat, we're already dealing with barometric pressures that are high that are making those fishes swim bladders basically expand and making them cranky and not really want to eat. Now you couple that with a flat, calm day on clear water and cold, cold water temps, <laughs> and it's a struggle. So it goes like anything else. Uh, your battle is specifically for bass fishing, if it's smallmouth or, or largemouth, is find those warmer waters, right? That's where those fish are going to go to. That's where they're going to start to stage. Remember, bass's metabolism is directly indicative to the water temperature. So the warmer the water temp, the more those fish are going to want to eat. And also those that's where those fish are going to be to to move up and start pre-stage spawning. And some of them are actually already starting to spawn for smallmouth in those warm waters. Yeah. So now with these water temps jumping up, things are only going to get better. So going into this weekend, if people uh, want to get out and maybe do some bass fishing and stuff, what would you recommend? Oh, absolutely. So well, then we'll just talk about that. 
Let's look at our forecast. It is phenomenal. We are actually going to have a stable weather forecast until next Tuesday. It's going to be sunnier, partially sunny, and the air temps are going to be super high. So we're going to probably see another huge jump in the water temp. So with bass fishing this time of year, obviously we're thinking about spawn. So if you're going to go and you're going to target bass at this time, find the warmest water you can. Where's the warmest water going to be? It's going to be in those shallow, small bays, which more than likely are going to be indicative to spawning areas. So they don't all spawn at the same time, but fish are going to be moving into these areas. So if you can find bays or small lakes off of the main lake where the water temp is obviously higher than the main lake uh, that's where these fish are going to be so it, the mouth's going in and then dr- where the veg is and then you can actually see them cruising or if there's beds up in that that shallow shallower water that's that's exactly where i would be but it's water temp water temp water temp once you do get into those areas you may see a few fish on beds but more than likely you're going to see fish cruising Yes, the water temp's warming up. It's warmer than it was, but we're still going to be in that 60 range, so we need to slow down um, and use, I would say, smaller baits or use reaction baits. A swim bait or a swim jig right now with a really slow retrieve is kind of my number one go-to bait right now. Um, a chatter bait can also be good until you kind of fan cast and find where those fish are going to be. Uh, if you do happen and, you know, the fish are on beds and that's your gig, I'm not promoting it, but if you're, the fish are already on beds, um, you're going to be wanting to drop a smaller bait on there. If it's a small tube or something like that, the only thing I would ask, if, you, if you're picking them off, please put them back. You right. don't, <laughs> don't want to promote that, but definitely... Finding those smaller bays off the main lakes with the warmer water temps, uh, you should really know within 10 to 15 minutes if you're in the right area or not. The small bucks uh, are going to be up first before the large females getting those beds ready, making a nice little sweet nest for, for the ladies to come in. So if you're catching a lot of small bucks, you know you're within a day or two of the bigger girls moving up uh, for largemouth and smallies right now. So just slow down. Um, your retrieves definitely and have some fun. Yeah. Well, this is going to be such a fun time of the year and there's going to be a lot of walleye anglers out there too, Mandy. And the tactics I've heard too, fish the bays. That's where the, you know, the higher water temps are right now. Maybe some weeds. Do you think bass anglers and walleye anglers may be competing a little bit this weekend for water? <laughs> well, there's a whole other factor that's starting <laughs> to go, uh, especially on gall what I just saw. Uh, shiners are running. Like I've gone into some of those bays where I'm looking for bass and as far as you can see, it's bait fish. And it's like, that's going to be really indicative for those walleye guys of where that bait's at and where it's going. And it might just, yes, you're right, overlap with some of us bass people too. And we're also competing in the next few days with super sunny you know, conditions, they're going to look for the vegetation. They're going to look for the cover. So if they're up and they're feeding on the shiners, that's where a lot of things are going to be. But I've also heard like on North Long, um, it was a kind of varied perspective on what the walleye guys were doing. They were catching them 25 feet of water, you know, and some guys were catching them up in six feet of water. So everything's making that that transition wherever that bait's going to be. Has it been an all day thing or are you better off getting out there early in the morning or late in the evening? For walleye? Or bass. Oh. <laughs> well, previously, I'm, I'm always, always about the water temp. So later in the afternoons where we were previously, the water temps are finally starting to warm up. And right now, I think we're, we're still kind of at that, 
moment, but in the next five days where we're going to see that change and really change drastically for, for bass people. So as the water temp continues to warm up, I still think that later afternoon bite is going to be better, but by next week, that's going to change, and we're going to have bass transitioning and transitioning out. So we might actually get into some of those all-day kind of bites, which obviously early morning, later in the day, you've got your feeding cycles. Um, but, yeah, right now it's wherever the water temp's going to be for largemouth. It's, am- it's amazing to me because, you know, talking with Steve and Matt last week, they were saying how we're you know we're two weeks behind and, and all this Everything's happening so fast now, and it's that's got to be so hard for anglers to all of a sudden just go, okay, we go from this to now, okay, everything's happening so quickly to, I mean, changing your tactics up and everything. Yeah, it, it, I, I just saw it actually recently on a tournament that, that was held on Leech where normally if we were where we were supposed to be, there would have been a lot of big bags brought in, and there was one or two big bags, and the rest of them were scratch bags basically that were all – bucks you know the two and a half pound uh males that were in there and there again you really got to be cognizant of that water temp you can't just fish a spot because you caught them there previously if the water temp isn't there you got to get off and go searching somewhere else mandy always says water temp water temp water temp (laughs) some events we need to talk about uh i got the teen challenge event that's coming up this weekend yes it's going to be this weekend it's going to be held on gull lake and all proceeds go back to the teen challenge organization yeah and then one of the bigger tournaments we have here in the state and that is the cross lake lions tournament that's coming up here real soon too correct that's going to be the following weekend and that's a really neat event it's a family-based event it's the largest multi-species uh tournament held in minnesota there again all proceeds go back to cross lake lions and to the local food shelves for uh families in need yep and then confidence learning center they've got that great tournament as well <laughs> i know we're right back to back to back for all, <laughs> for all of these uh, these events right in a row and again camp confidence all, all proceeds going back to camp to help uh special campers with needs for them to be able to afford and come up and enjoy our our beautiful Gull Lake and our surrounding Brainerd Lake area at the camp. Is it me or did everything just creep up on us this spring? And I have to ask you this too because you know what really bothers me? Everything happened so fast and maybe this happened to you too. I never got out and turkey hunted this year. It just it just completely everything just went so fast. And it passed me by. Did it happen to you too? It passed me by. Also. See, I don't feel I'm so bad now. So ashamed. <laughs> it was seemed like we had we had the warm up, and then it got cold and cruddy, and then there was a quick warm up, and then there was just rain, rain, rain. And then you're looking forward, right? I've got this to do and this to do and prep for this and get out. And it's like, well, there went turkey season. Right. Yeah, that's what happened to me too. So, well, it's good to be busy though, right? Absolutely. There you go. So Mandy is going to be joining us uh, throughout the spring, talking a lot of fishing here on the show. We appreciate her. Uh, dropping by. Mandy, you're a, people want more information on you, Mandy, how can they get it? Find me on Facebook, Instagram, podcast, or right on Brainerd Outdoors. Mandy, Yurik, I appreciate it as always. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thank you. All right, let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. And as we were uh, talking earlier with Mandy, uh, it was Christmas time for her with the bass season opening up. And now Christmas time for Steve because, you know, last weekend we had the bass opener. Steve, this weekend... We got the musky opener, and this is when you love to get out on water and chase those big fish. Oh, no doubt. I'm in seventh heaven right now. You cannot beat this type of situation. We've had extra, extra cold weather, cold fronts. We've had uh, snow and everything. But the last week, it's, uh, things have pulled it off. The muskies are moving into the shallows. Water temperature is becoming like it should be. 
you know, I, I anticipate good things coming up for the opener here, and I'm just excited as heck to get out there. You know, one of the things I thought was really interesting the last few years, Steve, is we really didn't talk much on musky opener about musky fishing because, you know, everybody always says, you know, September, October, early November, that's when the muskies really get going. But you have, you've noticed these openers here the last few years have been very, very good for you. It, it is very true, Brian. The last, I would say, five to six years at the most, it's been phenomenal. Normally, muskie fishing never took off years and years ago until at the end of June, maybe around July 4th. But again, this last uh, last year opener, we had seven muskies on. We had five boated up to 52 and a quarter inches. In a two-week period, it was between 25 and 30, Brian, we had hooked, and we had 18 of them boated. We had two over 50 inches. You can't beat that. I don't care where you go in Minnesota, where you go in Canada. That is phenomenal muskie fishing, and it's all happening right here in central Minnesota on Mille Lacs Lake. What do you think the reason is for that, Steve? I'm sure there's various you know, people with theories and, and all of that. Is, is it that the lake is changing? Because obviously with the... In, you know, invasive species playing a part in this? Is it the fact that the muskies got trained a little bit, or is it just a variety of factors? Uh, I honestly believe, Brian, you know, they can call it what they want, global warming or whatever. Maybe this was a 500-year pattern. We'll never know. No one lives to be that old. But uh, the last five, six years, water temperatures have gone up around the opener. We've had a little bit earlier ice out or maybe uh, a little bit later ice out in this case, you know, than other years. But the water temperatures have gone up considering uh, what we had years ago. So what, if people are heading out this weekend, Steve, would you tell them to do uh, as far as tactics go? Uh, go to the other side of the lake where I am. No. <laughs> what I would, uh, last year we had phenomenal luck. The last five, six years, I'll be honest with you, with glide baits, Brian, we've had great luck with spinner baits, uh, pike size and musky size spinner baits. And, uh, you know, small bucktails, you know, we've had really good luck on, you know, spinner baits like the rad dog and musky candy, small bucktails like the musky candy. Uh, has been good, and the spinnerbaits musky candy spin has been good. Phantom lures for glide baits have been phenomenal. Fish the shallow waters. Uh, try to concentrate on anything, you know, that's uh, three to six, three to eight feet of water. The key is to look for live vegetation, fresh vegetation, cabbage weeds. If you can find an area that has fresh cabbage weeds, Brian, and a sand flat with old dead bulrushes, you got musky nirvana. Believe me, it's a smorgasbord of all loads. Is there a lot of that out there on Malax right now, Steve, or do you have to search for it? Oh, it's definitely out here, Brian. You know, I mean, the public has heard about it the last couple of weeks, you know, about that monster that the DNR uh, shocked at, uh, at night a couple of weeks ago. They figured it was a new world record, 70-some pounds. That was Isle Bay. Isle Bay has all the key ingredients I just described as far as dead vegetation and live vegetation, sandbars, sand flats. You've got sand and silt, which absorbs the heat of the sun first. You've got all prime situations right there in Isle Bay. So there you go on the musky front. So that's going to be really interesting to watch uh, this weekend and, and see how anglers do with that. Uh, how have the walleye anglers been doing out there, Steve? Pretty good? You know, the walleye anglers have been doing okay. I was out walleye guiding here, too, a few times the last week. Uh, you know, we're getting on the fish, Brian. There's no doubt we're finding them by the hundreds. We're finding them by the thousands out there. Getting them to bite has been another little difficult uh, situation. Like I said, we've had cold front after warm front after cold front. 
up, down, up, down. It turns the fish a little bit dormant, docile. It makes the bite tight, uh, tougher. And I was serious. I really think the DNR should consider letting the walleye anglers have another couple of weeks to go after them and have some fun considering, you know, that they had to put up with the terrible, you know, crappy weather we had. But uh, the walleyes are there. They've been doing okay. ton of walleyes out there, you know, and I haven't seen any of them look sickly except for one. The majority of them all look fat as a football, you know, just like a smallmouth bass, which has been biting good, too. Crappies, too. I mean, are they starting to go as well out of Mille Lacs? They're starting to go finely. It hasn't it has, it's been like, you know, two to three weeks behind uh, over there by the American campground just before walk on. They're fishing that little cove in there, that inlet has been doing good. Uh, they've been doing pretty good over in Isle Bay in front of Chapman's Resort. Tim Tim and Tina do a great job telling you where to go and what to use. Uh, they've been going okay over by Max Twin Bays. Anywhere you find old wooden piers and harbors, you know, which attract zooplankton, you're gonna have crappies. Isades is another great spot that has crappies in there. Maybe you can't get there by short, private property, but they cannot stop you from going there by boat. So there you go. That's uh, what's happening out on Malak. Steve Saponiak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And something a little different this week. I was actually lucky enough to be invited out here to the shores of Rice Lake here on the beautiful Mississippi River and talk to one of our contributors here at Brainerd Outdoors, and that is Wayne Harding, who always keeps us very closely updated on what's happening here on the river. Wayne is also the operations manager at Waste Partners, and we're going to talk a little bit a little bit later on about some things, obviously, with the CWD detection uh, in deer here in Crow Wing County that's going to happen with people that are going to you know, look to get rid of their deer carcasses a little bit later on this year. Wayne's going to have some info on that, what you can and can't do. But I think, Wayne, first off, let's talk a little fishing because that's what you love to do out here. That's why you're here. And uh, since opener here on the river, which sometimes we forget about, what was it like? Well, the pan fishing was phenomenal. The walleye fishing was a little suspect. The high waters, the heavy current uh, made it really tough. And we found them hard to catch. And I actually... Uh, moved on to the Gull River and uh, changed where we were fishing after day one to uh, and we did do really well there and caught quite a few walleyes. For, for those because like you and I have talked many times and we've opened out here a few times uh, there's not a lot of boats people sometimes are a little intimidated about the river when you have those higher water levels like we've had what how does that affect things? Well what happens is the water muddies up and the fish can't see the bait. And when they can't see the bait, you're not gonna catch them. It's like being on the rainy river. When they let that loose in the spring, or fo- in the spring, and once that water muddies up, you're just not gonna catch fish until it clears up again. And right now, when I walk to the end of my dock, I can look down, and if I can see the bottom, I can usually go out and catch fish. Right now, I can't see that because of all the water and all the current. So right now, the crappie fishing, like you said, has been much better. Uh, we had the bass opener last weekend. Musky opener is this weekend. So I would imagine anglers will be out here. How's that going to affect things there? Well, I think that you're going to see things get better as it's warmed up. The water temperature has gone crazy. It's up into the 60s now. Uh, the panfish aren't in the bays and the back bays where you thought they would be early. They maybe were there two weeks ago. Now they're out in the main lake and they're, they're coming up closer to the docks. And that's where we're catching them. Does water temp affect the river as much as it would, say, a lake? I would say probably not. Most things don't affect a river. The daylight hours don't affect it as much. It's darker water. 
Um, it does affect it to the point of those fish coming into the bays early, but after that, I don't think it affects it as much. What do you think is the most intimidating thing for anglers, though? Is, like we said, I'm looking out there right now. It's a beautiful night. Uh, water's calm and everything, but there's like two boats out there. Is it just the fact that if you don't know it, maybe that's what intimidates people? Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of deadheads right now with the high water. It's terrible out there as far as it's picked up a lot of logs off the shorelines, and that's out there floating right now. The rice beds haven't grown up, so there's spots in that water that are six, eight inches deep that it looks like you could drive a boat across, and if you don't know the river, you're going you're gonna to fill your motor full of mud. Bass anglers that do want to get out this weekend, what would be your advice there if they're fishing the river? Well, we kind of found them in the rocks and in the shallower water, so that's kind of where it's been. I was actually in a tournament on Serpent last weekend, and that's where we found them there also, was in the shallow water in the rocks. There you go. And for walleye anglers, I mean, like you said, you're waiting for the water temps to come up just a bit and the water levels to drop. If they're going to be out here this weekend, what would you recommend there? You're going to want to be just off the main channel. Find an eddy, find where that water's a little more calm and you're not in that heavy current. And hopefully the water's cleared up enough by then that uh, we'll catch some fish if we don't get a bunch of rain. So that's what we'll look forward to as we head into uh, another summer weekend here. We're not quite summer yet, but uh, we're getting there. Uh, I guess now we'll get from the fun time stuff, Wayne, to some of the more work stuff in which you do with uh, Waste Partners. You're the operations manager there. You're going to be sitting in on some meetings with a lot of uh, big-time people uh, here at the state with the DNR and all that. Obviously, people know about what's happened with the CWD detection in that deer farm just north of Merrifield. That's going to change a lot of things, and we're going to have a lot of information. And normally, we would talk about something like this in the fall, but I want to get as much of this information out before we get to deer season so hunters are, are you know know what what they're going to have to deal with going into it. One of the things is being with Waste Partners people that want to discard deer carcasses things have changed a lot now yeah they really have and especially if you're a meat processor a taxidermist or just a local hunter you can't take the legs and the scrap anymore and just throw them in the standard waste stream they basically ban deer from the landfill that aren't tested and that's one of the things that i guess the best way to, to kind of phrase this is what people used to be able to do now compared to what they can't do correct i mean even like your counties and cities that used to pick deer up alongside the roadways now are forced to basically pull those out to the wood lines and they're going to be leaving them because those deer can't be tested and the, the only real option is to move them out. Now we're in some meetings and we're going to try to find some disposal options um, working with the landfill right now with their leachate collection and some of this and the prions and it's kind of a scary deal and even though we've only had one out of you know thousands of tests only one deer's come back positive that one deer is enough to have changed everything yeah and that's one of the things you had actually had the info on there was like nine thousand deer tested and they've had the one basic uh positive test so i mean i don't want to say that the dnr is raising you know the red flag and causes saying okay we got problems like they do say in wisconsin but they're being proactive here and i think that's where you guys come in and why you guys are working with the dnr yeah, and I think right now, uh, talking to the taxidermists, some of them, they, they think the DNR is pushing this ban at the landfill. It's not the DNR at all. Actually, the DNR would like to bring the deer to the landfill on a normal basis because at least they're in one spot, and it's it's a spot they can watch. Um, it's really the landfill right now that has banned that deer, worried about their leachate collection system and what this might do to it if that got into that system. This might be a better question for the Deer Hunters Association, but, you know, you see these collection boxes all over. Um, what is that going to mean? I mean, are they, are they still going to be able to have those? 
You know, that's an interesting question. I do know that for they're making a new zone in Brainerd that's going to be a new hunting zone that goes from Brainerd to Pine River to about Aiken, maybe over by Nisswa, Gull Lake area, 15 miles from that Merrifield area. They're going to want all those carcasses put in a special container, and the DNR is going to have a roll-off box probably lined with a cover that any deer that's shot in that area, they want to test, and then they want the carcasses and the, and the stuff put in these boxes, and then they're going to figure out what to do, what's best to do with it from there. So to summarize, basically, from your standpoint, deer hunters, don't throw your carcasses into the landfill and everything because that's where the problems are going to be. Right. We can't just, you know, and I've already had it a couple times here in the last week. You wouldn't think this time of year you'd have that, and whether it's roadkill deer or whatever's happened. Um, yeah, you can't put it in your normal waste stream. It's actually going to be treated as almost a special waste, like an asbestos would be at the landfill. And if it's pre-tested and you can bring the test results with you, they're going to set them in a different spot of the landfill and keep track of that. So what should hunters do at this point, just to reiterate, I'm sure you probably already talked about this, but one more time, if they do have, end up having you know a deer carcass they have to get rid of, what should they do? Right now, I think most people are probably going to put it, if they have a piece of land and they're on some acreage, they're just going to put that out in the woods, maybe bury it, try to get it out of the way. Um, I don't know how many people are going to actually test it and hold on to the results like the, like the DNR does to bring them to the landfill. Um, the taxidermists and those people are, are kind of forced to do that. I think your, your normal hunter is probably going to dispose of those out in, the, out in the woods. So that'll be something we'll look forward to. And I mean, you you got a meeting coming up here in the next week or so. I'm sure you're going to have some more info for us probably out of that meeting, Wayne. And so uh, hopefully you can keep us updated on all that. Yeah, I sure will. You know, right now they're, they're looking at incineration options. Um, some different forms of ways to try to get rid of this disease and it's really tough um, that stuff stays in that in that ground that farm now has basically for five years you can't go in that farm and so they don't want any other deer in that they're keeping the fences up and that's kind of what these meetings are about that stuff attaches to everything and when it grows the grass the deer eats it and then you've got that problem growing so that's just one more option and one more person that we're going to keep uh, tabs on. And obviously the DNR is going to keep us updated as well as a lot of hunters as well. So it's going to be an interesting summer and going into deer hunting this fall because we've got something new to deal with. Wayne Harding, operations manager at uh, Waste Partners and also uh, kind of our Mississippi River guy for Brainerd Outdoors. I appreciate it, Wayne, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. And back with us this week, uh, Tony Roach with the Roach's Guide Service. Tony, a very accomplished angler here in the uh, immediate Brainerd Lakes area and spends a lot of time fishing the entire Midwest. We obviously find you out on the water doing a little pan fishing this time around. Yeah, you know, Brian, when I get a day off, I love to just go to different lakes and try different things. And I love pan fishing in general. You know, as you know, after spring rolls by in early summer, people tend to forget about pan fishing. I mean, they're notorious roamers, especially this time of year. You get those big packs of suspending fish, and they may be keying in on an area because the wind's blowing in there or, uh, you know, they're feeding on something in particular. A lot of bug activity, especially mornings and evenings. And then you know, as soon as the wind comes up or the sun gets high in the sky, they're going to be shifting to a different area. So I really like to use my electronics to find those fish, but I also like to use, uh, you know, reactionary type of baits. Like today, right now, we're pan fishing, we're catching crappies and bluegills, and I'm just pitching a small little rip and wrap, just 
throwing it out there, letting it float over the tops of the cabbage, and then working it off that deep edge. Now, I'm not worrying about it falling down, you know, to, to the bottom of the lake. Crappies, bluegills, most of the time when they're off that weed edge or, you know, they're loosely relating to the cabbage, they're feeding up in the water column. So I'm, I'm fishing this bait really aggressive, half crank half crankbait, half jig. So I pitch it out, let it fall, and then just rip it back to the boat. But what's cool about that is I can fish very, very fast, and I can stay on the fish. So if the schools move, I just simply move on and look for another school of fish. Early morning is great, especially if it's dead flat calm. A lot of times you'll see those great big schools of fish feeding on the surface. And so once you've pinpointed them, they've you know, they've revealed themselves, and so you can really find them pretty quickly doing that. And a lot of times they're up in the water column. You can throw crankbaits, soft plastics. I mean, fish a lot of different ways, but you can fish really fast and find them easier. And then from then on, you know, as the day progresses, like today, they were up uh, really close to the surface. A lot of them were feeding. It was calm. Now that the winds come up a little bit, they've shifted a little bit deeper, so I'm allowing this bait to just fall a little deeper and kind of I can, I'm continuing to target the fish, but I'm, I'm, I've moved out. I've moved out into that 10 to 14 feet right now. I'm on a lake right now, and there's a few people bass fishing. It looks like one guy was uh, fishing walleyes on a hump, but no one's pan fishing, and that, that's the beautiful part about it. A lot of times, Brian, I'll find lakes that I'll fish in the summer, and I'll mark some of these spots, uh, and I'll just go back there in the, in the winter. Um, uh, it could be a small little remote lake like you touched on, or it could be a, a bigger body of water that has lots of structure. And then what I'll do is I'll mark the cabbage lines. I'll mark where I'm finding schools of fish, especially if they're adjacent to some deeper water. And then I'll just come back there early ice and check those spots. You know, I, I've seen it a little bit on a few lakes where, you know, the, the walleyes are heavily feeding in the weeds. You're starting to see them shift out a little bit away from that weed line. And there's another spot where I fish... Um, uh, just down for me. I'm going to hit it next after we get off the phone. It's a deeper rock pile and it always holds bluegills. Well, uh, that's a great fall area to find bluegills and largemouth bass. And I guarantee when I go out there right now, even though it's not fall and surface temps are warm, there's already going to be fish setting up on that rock reef. I, I don't ever go into a situation saying I'm only going to fish this way. I kind of let the fish tell me what to do. You know, if I start graphing along this weed edge and I'm seeing them all suspended and they're all off the structure and away from the structure, I might shift gears and uh, try to fish more vertically um, using floats or bobbers work great for that scenario. I like to use jigging wraps where I'll just drop it straight down below the fish. I'll actually fish right below my transducer, much like you would, uh, you know, if you're ice fishing. Um, however, today I kind of graphed around the edges and I found some suspended fish, but a lot of them are closer to the weed line. So then that's why I started pitching the rip and wraps. But I generally let the fish tell me how to fish them. Uh, same thing goes for walleyes. If I get into a situation where, let's say I'm going to you know, um, I want to troll uh, spinners along the weeds and all of a sudden, you know, I, I realize the fish are out deep or, or something I might switch to red tails or jigging wraps. You know, I always just let the fish tell me what to do and then uh, I just try to, you know, deploy the best presentation to catch those fish. Now, I did want to talk about uh, Canada. Last time we had you on the show, Tony, you were out in Montana out on Steelhead Lake, I believe it was, and you had some pretty interesting stuff with lake trout out there and uh, also going after uh, perch. Uh, this time you were up in Canada here not too long ago, took your son with you, first time up there. I'd ask you how you did, but it's kind of a silly question. It's Canada. So if you, if you know what you're doing, you're going to have luck up there. But you had a pretty special trip. I did. It was, uh, you know, my dad, my son, 
Um, we, we stayed on a houseboat and uh, kind of out in the wilderness, stayed on an island on Lake of the Woods, uh, west of Kenora, kind of had the place to ourselves. And yeah, it was amazing. I told my son on the way up, I said, listen, when you get to Canada, catching walleyes is like catching sunfish. You know, you're going to be catching them nonstop. And <laughs> within the first half hour, he's like, dad, you're right. This is just like catching sunfish at home. <laughs> uh, we were catching walleyes like crazy. Um, up there, you know, it's so awesome because it's, you know, when, when you're fishing Lake of the Woods or some of those big bodies of water up there, they're so vast and so diverse. So, you know, one day we'd fish walleyes with bottom bouncers, and then the next day we'd go pitch plastics or crankbaits on some of these really uh, chunk rock shorelines, and we were catching smallmouth and walleyes up there. And then I took them lake trout fishing. Uh, we did a little trolling for lake trout. He got like a 36-inch lake trout. He had never caught a, a big laker before, so... It was really fun, and it, you know, of course, the pike. Uh, you know, he caught a bunch of big pike up there, and forty-inch pike. And uh, I just love going to Canada. I mean, uh, I think any angler out there that uh, you know has experience going up to the Canadian wilderness and doing the shore lunch thing—it's um, just a special time. It's—I'll never forget that trip. It was so much fun. You know, just seeing him pick crayfish on the shorelines to you know catching his first big lake trout—it's just. Irreplaceable, and that's the part of the the area that I'm not real familiar with. That northern part of Lake of the Woods, when you get up into Canada, uh, what is that? Is there a lot of structure up there, Tony, or is it does it differ a lot from the U.S. end of Lake of the Woods? Oh, it's vastly different. You know, on the on the south end, it's primarily basin. When you get up to the northwest angle and then start to shift into Canada, it's all reefs and boulders, and certainly are, there are basin areas where there's ciscos and 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 fish suspending where where you see walleyes out in that deep water but there's just endless amounts of structure and uh you know i think a lot of the overlooked areas when you get up there are some of the shallower water spots because there are so many reefs that hold fish you don't have to go far to catch a walleye and so a lot of anglers will just go out to the first reef they see and start catching fish and then they never leave whereas a lot of this real shallow shoreline stuff holds cabbage weed it holds big walleyes. It holds chunk rock. You know, up there you've got a you've got a, a, a lot of structure that's bedrock, right? So if you can find that chunk rock areas, or even some of those areas that go from rock to sand or rock to mud, uh, you know, you can really find some big walleyes hanging around those areas. Plus, you catch pike and muskies and everything else. But yeah, it varies uh, quite differently from the south end of the lake. And Lake of the Woods is such a special place because it's so huge and there's so much water. I mean, you could spend a lifetime up there and not fish a tenth of it. I mean, it's it's amazing place. I That's where I got my guiding start was up at Flag Island Resort up there. And um, it's always been special to me. I love going up there. I try to go up there at least once a year. How long ago was that that you got your start up there? Uh, late 90s, early 2000s, um, I was in college and I uh, got my first job guiding in the summers up there and I spent a lot of time up in the islands and really learning that area. I was still fishing tournaments, you know, I'd come down and fish a tournament on Mille Lacs or Leech or wherever and then I'd go back up there and guide and I just fell in love with that area. At the time, you know, shortly after I, I quit guiding up there, you know, I met my wife uh, who's now, or my girlfriend who's now my wife and you know, I, I couldn't quite talk her into moving up there, but <laughs> if I could have, uh, that's where I, my, my permanent residence probably would be today. But I still go up there, you know, like I said, once a year because it's such a cool place. It's it's a great musky fishery. It's a great pike fishery. It's a phenomenal smallmouth bass fishery. The, the walleyes are incredible. You can catch lake trout, 
that's what and there's so much water like i said you can uh it's every day we fished a different area and never fished the same you know even area twice let alone structure twice we uh just picked different parts of the lake and and kind of went after it and I actually, uh, every time I go up there, I try to pick it one day where I'll fish an area that I've never fished before, and I did that this year and had a, a great time catching smallmouth bass. We we found this one island that was just loaded with smallies, so we we were throwing jerk baits, and it was incredible, you know. And I I try to do that every time I go up there is pick one day where I'll just go exploring, and um, it almost always pays off. Anybody who has kids out there, if if you really want to get them fired up about fishing, I mean. Canada is just one of the destinations. If you take a kid up there, they're just—they're never going to forget it, and they're hooked for life. I mean, right when I got back from Canada, my son was rifling through some of my tackle because he was going over to Grandma's to fish off the dock, and he wanted to, you know, fish some of the techniques that we did up there, you know, with jerk baits and uh, you know dipstick worms and just, just wacky rigging. And it really—it—it it kind of lit a fire under him. He fishes all the time, but. You know, coming back from an experience like that, um, it, it, it just it, it really lit a fire under where It's really cool to see. Tony Roach, she is with the Roach's Guide Service and uh, always nice enough to drop by and provide some information for us here on the show. Tony, I appreciate it. Tony, if people want more information on you, how can they get it? Think go to roachesguideservice.com. Check me out on Facebook. Email me, text me, or Instagram. Tony Roach, Roach's Guide Service. Tony, I appreciate you taking the time. I'll let you get back to fishing, and uh, we'll check in real soon, okay? All right. Thanks for having me, Brian. Good luck fishing. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Time for our Famish Fisherman recipe on this week's show. As always, we bring in Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter. And Joel, talking to a lot of people, catching some crappies this time of year. Uh, I got a good one this week, macadamia encrusted crappie, right? Did That's I get that right. right? <laughs> we're going a little different route. Usually, you know, you see the uh, almond crusted or well, we're going to go macadamia nut crusted crappies. So we're going to take, uh, you know, one to two pounds, nice clean crappie fillets. Fill those on a baking sheet with a little bit of oil down on the bottom of them. We're going to take our uh, roasted macadamia nuts and breadcrumbs, and we're going to toss that into a food processor. Just chop that up real good. Make sure it's all, you know, kind of a nice crumbly form. Add in a little bit of butter to get that moistened up, and we're just going to, you know, generously top our crappie fillets with that macadamia nut crust. Toss those in the oven. Not going to take very long, obviously, kind of a small fish, you know, 5-10 minutes. Um, while that's cooking, in a little saucepan, we're going to have a little uh, brown sugar, soy sauce, and a little bit of fresh ginger going. We just want to keep that on a nice low heat. It's kind of thicken it up until all the sugar dissolves into the soy sauce. We're going to drizzle that over the top of the fillets. Enjoy. Good to go. So if you want to head to our website, by all means, uh, check it out. Uh, head to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, and then you can try macadamia encrusted crappie. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that's a wrap for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show live if you're away from your radio or out of town. BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com is where you can do that. Click on the Listen Live tab. You'll also find the show on demand there. 
Check out our sponsors page while you're there and wherever you download podcasts, Brainerd Outdoors can be found there, whether it's iTunes, Podcast One, Google Play, you name it, just search Brainerd Outdoors, you'll find us. It's one more way for you to listen to the show that way. We just ask you to give us a nice rate and review. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by The Power Lodge, SCR Northern, Thielen Meats, Tracker Boating Center, Vimer Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Liveax Marine in Isle, S&W Bait and Tackle, Oars and Mine Marine in Crosby, Freedom Firearms, Newman Construction, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, Your Ice Castle Dealer in Pine River, Crow Wing Recycling, Canvas Tech, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, Bermel Shoe Store in Randall, SPR Motorsports and Marine, and by Rag your truck accessory pros join brian moon saturday mornings at seven sunday evenings at seven and monday mornings at five right here on b93.3